2 Timothy chapter 1. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, a pretty well-known verse. Uh, it says in verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now this revelation that God's given us, He's not given us the spirit of fear, and fear is what? Fear, fear cancels out faith. And a lot of people don't realize what's... what. Fear really comes disguised as. Uh, fear is disguised as anger. You know, if you have an anger problem, that's really, faith. That's really fear operating in your life. It's not, it's not faith. So your faith's not going to work. All right, especially if it's unconfessed. And, you know, you're not, you're not repenting of it or turning from it. So that'll really hind greatly hinder your faith life. So when you go to ask God, well, Lord, how come some of these things aren't changing in my life? I'm, I'm speaking your word over the situation. I'm, I'm asking things to change. But see, you, you've not done anything. Uh, you've not taken any action on yourself. So when we see this in the word, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he gave you power. That means that word power, it means authority and of love. But then uh, the more important part is a, a sound mind. And we could say it this way, a, a peaceful mind. A peaceful mind. All right, and that's what I want to talk to today about, about uh, uh, having a peaceful mind. A peaceful mind, especially in these days, is the most important thing you can have because when you've got things coming at you right and left and you've got decisions that need to be made on an, in, on, in a moment, you want to make them not out of fear, but you want to be at peace about it. You don't, you don't want to have to walk away from the situation and say, well, I hope I, I did the right thing. I hope this thing turns out pretty good. I hope God's going to move in this situation. Well, see, that's not a peaceful mind. That's one that's at fear. And faith is not, you know, don't, don't kid yourself. Faith is not in that moment because fear is really dominant in that situation. It's what happens with a lot of believers is they think they're in faith, they think they're trusting God, they think they're believing in the Lord, but really they're in fear in, in their operating and how they operate. Because God gave you a sound mind. He gave you a peaceful mind. All right? He gave you a mind that is clarity. You know, he gave you a mind that's not worried about things coming on them. All right? They're not worried about what tomorrow's going to bring because, you know, you know, Jesus said, don't, don't think about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. All right? Today's the day. All right? Because God, God take care of tomorrow. He take care of day, today, too. But you've got to get your priorities in order and, and not get into fear or worry over, over a situation. Because a, a sound mind is at peace. A sound mind hears clearly what God is speaking. And so when we see this in the Word of God, God's, this is really a covenant phrase here that we're seeing. For God has not given us, who's, who's the us? It's believers, it's disciples, all right? Those that are really truly trusting the Lord. He did not give us the spirit of fear. 
Okay, so if, if you've got fear in situations in your life where you're afraid of certain things, all right, that's not from God, and it needs to be, it needs to be answered. And that's where a lot of us, we miss it, is we don't answer when the devil's speaking to you. All right? Very important that you answer the situation at hand. Remember when, when Jesus was walking along and he came, he came to the fig tree and it had no fruit on it. And it says that Jesus answered the fig tree and said, no man shall eat fruit of you ever again. And it dried up from the root, right? It dried up from the very roots. And what happened? Jesus understood some things that, that were speaking to him. And that bush was speaking, saying, you know, it's, it's, it should have figs on it, but it doesn't. And he said, no man will eat fruit of you ever again. And it dried up from the roots. And the very next day, when the, when the disciples were... Jesus wasn't so much walking by it. They looked over and saw that it had dried up from the roots. Meaning what? This thing was out of the ground and was, was just laying there. It wasn't just dead and still planted in the soil. It was dead but also uprooted out of the ground. All right? So, but it says Jesus answered it. See, there's things in our lives that if you don't have the Word of God in you, you'll fail to answer the situation. And, and I'm not just talking about answering the situation, I'm talking about being at peace. Jesus was not angry at that fig tree because it didn't, it didn't bear fruit. He just simply said, no, no man's going to eat fruit of you ever again. But, it, but if you look at that scripture, it says he answered it. So see, the devil is speaking to us constantly, but what a lot of believers fail to do is they fail to see that Satan, and, and acknowledge that Satan is actually speaking to them. Right? I mean, what literally happens, there's a lot of people, they, they don't even recognize the spiritual side of anything. You know, the, 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 they might even tell, there's, there's a lot of people out there, that they might tell you that, yeah, we believe there's a devil, we just don't know whether there's a God or not. See, they're, they're thinking it's all messed up. But see, as we as believers, you need, to, you need to discern who's speaking to you in every given situation. Jesus said, my sheep, they know, they know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they won't follow, right? So if Jesus is telling you, my sheep know my voice, but the voice of a stranger, they're not going to follow. What's he saying? He says, my sheep... Because they have a relationship with me, they recognize when I'm talking to them, but they also recognize someone that's speaking to them that's not me. A stranger they're not going to listen to. They're going to have an answer for the stranger. Amen? All right, now go to, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, Paul says this in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice. Holy, that means set apart for God's use, not your use. All right, so see, that's one way you can tell somebody that, that has, has presented their bodies a living sacrifice is they're no longer reacting from their flesh anymore. They respond out of the Spirit. They're, they're turning to the Spirit and saying, how does the Spirit respond to this? What would the Spirit of God say in this situation? All right? Then he goes on to say here, he says, this is wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, and there's one version, it says, this is, this is your form of worship. It is a form of worship how, how you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is, it is how you worship. Remember, we talked about this uh, last week and last, last couple of weeks about what, what uh, Norval Hayes said when he had an encounter with the Lord. He said, Basic, my, my people, basically, they love me, but they're broke, they're sick, and they do without because they don't worship me enough. Enough. And uh, f further on, uh, the Lord said to Norval Hayes, he said, and neither do you. The people, we need to, to praise the Lord and worship Him. Well, we're seeing right here that one of the forms of worship is presenting your body as a living sacrifice, all right, unto the Lord. So what does that mean? It, I mean you know, somebody that's presented their body, they're no longer uh, doing things that, a, that a, a natural person would do. They're doing the supernatural, all right? And not, and not always the raising of the dead. That's supernatural too, but really the supernatural is, is when, when uh, normal things would make you mad, you don't blow up over it. You're at peace. You don't even have a sarcastic response. Your, your response is out of love and from God. And sometimes that response is, should be just nothing. Shouldn't even be a response. Why? Because how, how has it worked for you in the past? If it hasn't made change in the past, it's not of God, and there's no, there's no presence of the Lord behind it, so a change has to be made. And see, a person that has presented their body as a living sacrifice recognizes that, sees that situation, and understands, I have not fully presented my body as a living sacrifice, so I've got to make changes on how I, how I handle things. But then he goes on to say here, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the, the, our minds has to be renewed to the word of God. When you got born again, when you got saved, your spirit man was saved, but your mind wasn't, wasn't saved. Your mind has to be renewed by the word of the Lord. And the only way you're going to ha have your mind renewed is we're going to have to be in the word every single day. All right? And we're going to have to be meditating on that word. You know, a renewed mind takes responsibility for its own actions. I say it again. A renewed mind takes responsibility for their own actions. And it does not blame anybody else. So if, when you see a person that they want to put blame on somebody else, the problem there is their mind's not renewed. 
And that's really, they're, they're speaking out of the flesh. And so as you as a believer and as a person that should be having your mind renewed, you need to recognize that and understand that pursuing this conversation is just going to be a waste of time. Why? Because you're, you're arguing with someone or trying to have a conversation with someone that has not renewed their mind, so therefore they're not going to understand what you're saying. All right? So always remember, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. It's not the anger that you know, leads people to repent. It's the goodness of God. So how, how, does, a, how does a believer keep uh, a, a peaceful mind, a sound mind in that situation? Recognize who, who's in operation here. Recognize who's moving here. Recognize whose authority they're, they're submitting to because... If, if, they're, if they're not having their mind renewed and they're not acting properly, they are in submission to the God of this world, who is Satan. All right? So you're trying to have a conversation with someone that has not had a renewed mind. Now, now I'm not saying you should not have a conversation with people that have not had their minds renewed. I mean, that's how we witness to people. But there's a big difference with talking with someone that, open to the good news versus someone that's, they're not open. They're led by the flesh. All right? They're not led by the Spirit because they don't understand. They haven't renewed their mind properly. So a renewed mind has a revelation, all right, about the Word of God because what? It's, it's in the Word of God. They're spending time reading the Word, meditating on His Word having the Word of God come out of their mouth. All right? They're speaking the, wor the words of God. That doesn't mean everywhere you go you're speaking the Word of God. But see, that's what your meditation is on. You're meditating more and more on the Word of God than you are the things of the world. Because what's that doing? That process is calling you, causing you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the conformity of the world? We don't, we don't, we don't study the Bible. We don't, we don't work on our relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We don't listen to them. All right? We don't ever repent. We don't ever tell somebody we're sorry. All right? That's an unrenewed mind. And there's, I'm saying, there's more Christians like that today, I think, than probably there ever has been in history. And I think it's because of what is happening in the earth and the Lord's imminent return. And God's preparing people, all right? You know, God, God loves his children, right? And it says, that, it says that judgment shall start in the house of God. So what's God, what we're seeing God do with people is he's showing you really, and this is really love. You may, you, you may have a hard time really understanding this, but... God is revealing to the, to the so-called believers whose hearts, are, whose hearts are not right. He's giving them an opportunity, all right, to repent and get things right with Him. So that what? So that they, 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 you know, they, they not only go to heaven when they die, but they start having days of heaven here on earth. You know, just as an earthly parent grieves and is, is, have some, you know, is bothered when they when their sons and their daughters aren't living right, how do you think your Heavenly Father feels? 
I mean, we're, we're flesh. It grieves him to see a son or daughter of his not living up to the potential that God has for them. All right? Because God has a potential, God has something, a plan for every single one of us. And that plan, it's not going to work if you don't have it. It won't work. So, see, it's grieving the Lord because he's trying to get, get us to the place where we renew our mind. And then what happens, part of that, that operation of having our minds renewed is there's a peace that comes upon us. Our mind's at peace. Our mind starts recognizing uh, when the devil is speaking to us, when he's dictating things to you. And what we see happening is a lot of Christians, they just ignore and they don't even recognize when Satan's speaking. They truly don't. They don't, they don't even understand that, that every thought that they have, they think it's their thoughts. Right? There's people like that. They think that every thought that, we ha that I have is my thought. No, it's not necessarily your thought. Because the devil, the only area that he can move in a person's life is, is the thought life. He can't just step into a person's life and kill them. If he would have, people would be, would be all gone. So the only thing he can do is he can only speak to you in your thought life. He can put thoughts in your head and get you to start accepting them. And then he, you know, then he expands those, that thinking process. And that will happen if your mind's not being renewed to the Word of God. It's going to happen. Because you'll start meditating on something. You'll start, you know, you, it starts off real small. You, you start thinking about all, all the killings that are going on in the country. And then you start thinking about more about the killings that are going around in your neighborhood. And say, so what are you doing? automatically, you're having your mind renewed to the fear that's in the world. Right? God didn't say have your mind renewed to what the news is, is, is telling you. All right? Or to what's happening. He didn't say have your minds renewed to that. He said have your minds renewed to the Word of God because what? Those are the answers. So you'll recognize when the world is speaking to you you have an answer. You have an answer for what Satan's saying. You can't be like a lot of other Christians that they say, well, I'm just not going to respond to the devil's, uh, his words, and maybe he'll leave me alone. And that's, what, that's what we have in a lot of churches. You, don't see, you never see anybody, a devil, get cast out of people. Why? They, they don't do things like that. Why? They have the attitude, if we just leave the devil alone, he'll leave us alone. No, you, you have to answer it. You have to recognize the devil speaking. You better have an answer. If, you, if not, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. Um, while we're on that, talking about the mind, go to Daniel. There's a couple of uh, verses in Daniel I want to look at here. Daniel 11. Let's start there.
Okay. Now understand this is Old Testament. And Daniel's talking about, he's prophesying about the wickedness that's coming on that, and, and is now in the nation of Israel. But really, it's prophetic because it's talking about now too. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 32. It says, and, and such as do wickedly against the covenant. All right, I'm sorry, back up verse 31. An arm shall stand on, on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and they shall take away the daily sacrifice. All right, well, we understand that in the Old Testament, this is talking about the daily sacrifice, but what we just read in Romans, that you should present your bodies daily, a living sacrifice. All right? And they shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. What is that? The worshiping of another god. The bowing to it. And verse uh, 32 and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. All right? So those that do wickedly of the covenant shall be corrupted by flatteries. What's flatteries? Well, it's, it's someone telling you that everything in your life is fine and you are a really good person, you're a decent person, you're okay, don't listen to what anybody else might correct you and say, uh, or specific, especially the Bible, when the Bible says that this is wrong. Because everybody else in the world thinks it's okay. You're all right. So they were corrupted by those flatteries. And that's what we're seeing happening today. I mean, and really who's responsible for it? It's the church. Because the church has, has allowed these things to, to, uh, to get by without standing up and saying, no, no, that's not of God. Right? You know, we, there's been churches for years out there that, that preach against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And say that it's of the devil. All right? Why? How, how did the, Satan was behind that whole movement. And people didn't even recognize that they were in churches where the, the pastors were t telling people that the baptism of the Spirit of God was demonic. And the Bible says, Woe unto those that call evil good and good evil. Woe! That's not just for worldly people. It's for the church. And every one of those churches that have done that, they've been in trouble. You know, I like something that somebody said here just a while back. I, I heard, him, heard him say that. It says... Uh, Man's church is in trouble, but God's church isn't. <laughs> you know, that's true. Man's church is in trouble. That's why, they're, that's why they're experiencing a lot of these things, because it's all the flesh. They've turned to the flesh. They've not been renewing their minds to the Word of God. They don't, they don't esteem the Word of God. You know, we, we here at Church of the Living Word esteem the Word of God. That means whether... We, we value the Word of God above everything else in our lives. Everything else in our lives. We value this Word more. Now, that, does that mean we're perfect and we, we never do anything wrong? No, it means that when we do wrong, we recognize, hold it. That's not what the Word of God says. I need to repent. 
sometimes I don't understand Christians because sometimes they, they look at other people as if they should be perfect, and when they, they're not, then that, that gives them an excuse to go ahead and sin. Where do you find Jesus doing that? And you call yourself a Christian. Christian means to be Christ-like. What did Jesus do with His mind? He renewed it every day. He renewed His mind every day to the Word of God. He spent time. You know, even as a child we've seen that. That He, would, he went to the, the, the teachers of the Word to, to listen to them speak. But also as He grew, He started speaking back. As He got revelation. Because what was happening is Jesus as a child didn't see Himself in this Word. You know, it wasn't until He started growing up and He started studying the Word. As He read the Bible and studied the Word, He started seeing Himself in the Word. Because the Bible says He grew in stature with God and men. He just didn't wake up one day as, as a three-year-old and say, I'm the Son of God. I cast out devils. I can raise the dead. No, he, there came a point in his ministry, he grew because he saw what the Word of God said about him, and he said, this is me. This is me. Now see, that same process happens today to a believer. It should be. You should look at the Word of God and see what Jesus, because if I'm in Christ... I should see myself in here. And the only way I'm going to see myself in here is when I'm looking at the Word and I'm meditating on the Word, I'm studying the Word of God, and I'm seeing it, that I am in Christ, and if, it's, if I'm in Christ, what Jesus saw, how He saw Himself in the Word, I should see myself there too. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Jesus, when, when the Father showed him that he was going to the cross, he didn't say, well, I, I can't do that. No, he said, I can do it. I'm going to the cross. He didn't back down from that. Because the love of God was in his heart. And he meditated on the Word. He said, he said concerning everything that happened in his life, he said, I can do nothing except I see the Father do it or I hear Him say it. So every day, he was in tune, he was in tune to the, the Spirit of God, what God was saying to him. Everything he did, he did it not because he wanted to do it. He did it because the Father had showed him or the Father had told him. He had that strong of a relationship with the Father. And you know, the stronger your relationship you have with the Father, the Father will speak to you not only things concerning you, but things that will, will, will enable you to help someone. There's a difference. All right? It's like if you have someone that, that's has an issue in their lives. And I, and I heard somebody say this a, a while back. And um, this, this minister had a, had, a, had a guest pastor 
or a guest minister rather in their in their in their church, and uh, a woman come up for prayer, and the pastor of the church. They they came up and the Lord had spoken to the pastor and showed this pastor what was going on in that person's life. And the pastor said to this person, now, the enemy's been attacking your mind this way and been saying things contradictory to the Word of God. And the minister then said to this person up for prayer, said, when the enemy does that, you need to say this to Satan. And told him exactly what to say. Well, after the service was over, the guest minister that, was, that witnessed this said, Pastor, I, I, I don't understand something. Why didn't you cast that devil out? And the, the pastor said to the guest minister, because if I cast the devil out, he'll come back. And if they don't have the answer... It'll be worse for them. See, what's happened in a lot of churches is, is we've gotten so excited about casting out devils. You know, go with me on this. I'm not saying we don't. We've forgotten that if we don't give them the answer, the devils will come back. And the case of that person is going to be worse. Now, there's instances where yet yeah, you need to cast the devil out of somebody. You know, when somebody's so full of the devil that uh, they, can't, they can't make a, a decision one way or the other, that devil needs to be cast out. But at the same time, a lot of times what we see is we see people that are under oppression and attack by the enemy, and we as pastors can get on uh, one side of that and think, well, we'll just cast the devil out of them and that'll be that. No, see, because what happens is all you've done is taught that person that when they need help, they need to come to you for prayer. You've not enabled them to teach somebody else. You've enabled them to be dependent upon you as a pastor. That's not what a true shepherd does. A true shepherd feeds the sheep and gives the sheep the ammunition so that when the enemy comes... They've got something to attack the enemy with. See, there's a different revelation there. And so what you wind up having is you have people that's sitting around that, well, when the, when the enemy comes to me, I'm just going to go up for prayer. Well, guess what? Almost immediately when that church, the enemy's come, he's come right back. He's not even sitting out in the parking lot. He's sitting in the pew with you waiting for you to come back to your seat. Because the pastor can't, left, but you're going to welcome him back because you ain't got an answer. So there's a revelation there, and that's what we as pastors should be doing. We should be feeding the sheep so they can do something. They can, you know, now, when somebody's young in the Lord, that's one, I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody that you, you've only been saved for, you know, a month or two or three. I'm talking about, there, there, there's, I see it all the time, people out there, they've been walking with God for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. They've, they've said they were saved. I have no reason to doubt that they aren't. But anytime they have a need, they either go to the pastor, or one of the, one of the most overwhelming things today is they get on social media, and they ask people to pray for them. 
mean, what are you thinking? You are conformed to the world's way of doing things. That's what the world does. Well, I pray and hope God does something about this situation. You don't, you don't know. You're not believing God for Him to change that situation any more than the man in the moon is going to change that situation. You, you, there's no faith in that. You've got to have your mind renewed to the Word of God so that you have an answer for that situation. Now let's look at another one here. Go to Daniel uh, chapter 5. Daniel 5. And this is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's reign came to an end because he, he, he refused to listen to God. He was going to do things his way. And here in verse 20, what happens is, is it says, but when his heart, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, was lifted up, that means he was full of pride. When his heart was full of pride and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his king, kingly throne and they took his glory from him. See, you can be prideful and not even realize that you're prideful. How, how, how is that? Well, when, you're, when your heart is hardened to the things of God, you, you, don't, you don't renew your mind. You, you don't submit to God's authority. Because, see, if, you're not getting, if your mind's not being renewed to the Word of God, it, your mind is being renewed to the devil. I'm, ser I, I, I'm serious about this. If your mind is not being renewed to the Word of God, your mind is being renewed to the devil because he's teaching you. He's teaching you that the Word of God is not important. He's teaching you that, oh, you, you, should have you should have fun with all your friends and enjoy things and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, you, your life starts getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and you don't even recognize it for the first 5, 10, maybe 15 years. But there'll come a point, there'll come a time in, in your relationship in, in this world, because that's where your relationship is, that the world doesn't have an answer anymore for you. The answer that, oh, have fun with your friends, well, you're not having fun with your friends anymore. You've worn that out. It's no longer fun. And you're trying to figure out, oh, how, do I, how do I straighten this thing out? Brother and sister, there's only one way you're going to straighten this out, and that's with, that's with the God Almighty and His Word. You're going to have to find a church that preaches and teaches the Word of God, and those are harder and harder to come by today. I don't know how many churches this city has, but I'd venture to say there's only a handful, if that many, that are preaching the Word of God. I mean, you, usually what you're going to get is you're going to get a lot of feel-good stories. And a lot of them telling you, oh, everything's going to be all right. God's in control. That's the biggest lie the devil taught the church, is God is in control. God is not in control of every single thing in your life. If He was in control, why do I need to renew my mind? 
If He's in control, why do I got to present my body a sacrifice? If He's in control, everything's going to be okay. Right? If He's, in, if he's truly in control. Is God can, you know, answer this question. Is God in control in heaven? Yes, He is. I mean, is Satan up there attacking Christians that have died and gone to heaven with sickness and lack and debt? No, He's not. Why? God's in control there. He's firmly in control. Now, listen, before you get all aggravated and uptight with me, God's ultimate plan here on earth, it's going to happen. It ain't changing. In that respect, He is in full control. Jesus is coming back. There's no doubt about that. And He's coming back for a bride that was without blemish or spot. And when you look at the church today, I see a lot of spots and blemishes. Gowns on. They got mud on their gowns. They're dirty. The Bible doesn't say God's coming back for them. When you, when, you read, when you read Revelation, what Jesus said to the seven churches, there's only one church He said, you're going to get out of this mess. That's a whole different teaching. I'm not going to go into that. But you read it. It's there. The other ones, He, rebu he rebuked them. See, we got to get serious about this. Nebuchadnezzar, he got his heart hardened. Because what? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't listening to the things of God. Now go here into chapter 7, which just the next page over, depending on what Bible you have. Daniel chapter 7. And we'll, look at, we'll get the, the enemy's plan right here. How he does it. We've been talking about this for here, here, here for the last 20, 30 minutes. Verse 25. And it's speaking of Satan himself. It's speaking of demonic powers. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a times and times and a dividing of time. Listen. I'm not going to go too deep into this. But Satan, that is what he is trying to do right now. He's trying to change times. He's trying to, and you got to say, well, what's the matter if the time changes? Satan wants Jesus to come back right now. He doesn't want him to come back three months from now. He wants Jesus to come back now. Why? So he can get the believers out of here and disrupt God's time frame. Because if he could do that, which he can't, but if he could, he could stand up and say, I caused God to do something before he wanted to. All right, I'm not going to go into that. I'm just touching base on here. But the key here is, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. By doing what? By speaking great words against the Most High. We're seeing that happen today. We're seeing lots of ministers, they're preaching things that's not in the Word of God. And I know that's been going on for years and years and years. But I, you know, as I said yesterday during the intercessory prayer, Brother Hagin had a statement concerning that. He said, in the last days, the, 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 the things that will take place, it won't be so much as, 
as what they're saying, but who's saying it. That's what's going to surprise you. And we're seeing that come to pass if you're somewhat listening to um, believers out there and pastors and preachers of the Word. What they preached years ago, it's changed. I, I started seeing this happen with a few years, a few years ago um, when some uh, teachers of the Word that was talking about God-prospering people suddenly changed their course and said, uh, I'm not going to preach that way anymore. And uh, when that happened, that particular person's ministry seemed to just drop off the face of the earth. I guess they're around still, and I'm sure they're probably still preaching, but I don't hear anything from them anymore. Not that I really listen to them a lot. And there's others have, have done the same thing, and they're kind of sliding away. But I believe Brother Hagin was right on. He says, it's not going to shock you so much as what they're saying, but who's saying it. And that's changed. That's different now than what it was, because we've always had people saying some weird stuff. But the people that were followers of Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland and, uh, and, and faith-filled you know, Oral Roberts and things like that, we didn't see it coming out of those camps, but now we are. Now we are. It's coming out of those camps. And I'm not saying Brother Hagen or, or Brother Copeland didn't believe that. They don't at all. But here, here you've got people that are connected to them, and somehow they, they've not renewed their mind to the Word of God, and they've kind of fallen away and preaching things that aren't in the Bible. Glory to God. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But Satan will wear out your mind. He'll, he'll wear out your mind because he wears out your thought life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ or of, of the anointing, to the obedience of the... Does it, does it line up with the anointing? Does the thought that you have in your head <clears throat> line up with the anointing? <coughs> you know, to hear a believer said, well, somebody stole from me, so therefore I'm going to go steal it back from them. That is not an anointed thought. All right, that, I mean, and I use that, I know that's pretty simple, and, and everybody, you know, I, I believe most people would understand that one. But see, what, that, what Paul says here is says casting down imaginations or every thought, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge, the knowing of what God's Word says. And what you need to do is look at that word casting. That's a very violent word. It's, it's not just, you know, you give it a toss. It's talking about taking a thought and binding it up, putting it in captivity, all right? And then casting it down or destroying that thought from ever coming back into your, your, your brain or your mind. I mean, to the point that you take it 
and you annihilate it so badly that there's no way you would have second thoughts of, well, is, maybe some of that could be true. No, 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 that, that's not casting it down. And see, that's what happens if, if Satan plants a word in you, a thought, and you start meditating on it. Well, some of that, all of that's not bad. Most of it is, but not all of it. See, that's not casting that thought down. That's, that's recognizing, hold it. There's, too much, there's, there, there's a speck of evil in it, therefore this is not a God. I'm going to destroy it. And I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not even going to investigate that. I'm going to cast it down. I'm going to get rid of it. And that's what Paul's talking about. You need to get rid of those thoughts, not even think about them, because it doesn't line up with the Word. But see, Satan's looking for a little, a little crack of daylight in there to, to get his Word into your thought life so that you can, you can have it in the back of your mind. And it keeps coming up in the back of your mind. And after a while, because it keeps coming up in the back of the mind, what do most believers say? I believe the Lord is showing me something. No, it's not God showing you something. It's because you didn't take that thought initially and destroy it. That thought keeps coming back up to you now. And that's how Satan operates and you're responding to the voice of the devil. Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they're not going to follow. So see, this strange voice that keeps coming up, 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 up to you and speaking to you because you didn't cast it away to begin with. All right, you shoved it aside. The Bible didn't say shove it aside. The Bible doesn't say take it and put it up on the chair. Really love spiders. Okay, so so what I'm going to say, you're all going to be related to. If you found a if you found a spider in your house, all right, and it was crawling on the floor, you're probably going to go get the biggest bat or some, or weapon that you can find and just smash that thing to smithereens, right? Or maybe you can't do that. Maybe, maybe you go get whatever spray bottle of insect spray and you maybe have two of them. And you're just, you're spraying that thing and it's floating in that stuff. What it, why? It's not because you're trying to feed it. You want it dead. You want it out of your house. You don't want it sitting there flopping. Right? You want that thing so it, it doesn't even look like a spider when you're done with it then you're going to sweep it up and throw it out the front door. You're not even going to put it in your trash. Why? Well, we won't go there. <laughs> you're going to throw it outside. That's what Paul's talking about here. Casting every imagination, getting rid of it completely, to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because you don't, you don't want that thought coming back in your head. You get rid of it. All right? It, that's what he's talking about here. And he says, uh, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and you bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience. See, when something's captive, you can, do, you can have your way with it. You throw it outside if you want to. Why? Because it's captive. It's dead. It's not, going, it's not coming back. That's what Paul's talking about here. You know, I, I like what Brother Hagin said years ago. He said, you know, 
you can't stop a bird from flying over your head and circling around your head. But you can stop that bird from building a nest in your hair by swatting it away, right? Well, that's really what he's talking about here. You, know, you can't stop the bird from you can't stop the devil from flying around being around you. But you know, you can stop him from trying to build a nest, and that's what he's trying to do by putting a thought in your head, and you start recognizing, you start seeing things that are demonic in the world. I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know if I purposely did this. I guess it was somewhat the leading of the Holy Spirit. I got rid of cable and satellite TV years ago in my house. Why? Because 99.9% of just garbage. And I remember first recognizing that, you know, why am I paying $150 a month for one channel that I want to watch? How stupid is that? And see, the satellite company, they have their, themselves to blame because of greed. And I remember telling them, look, you need to offer people a package where they choose whatever, however many channels they want, and that's all they pay for. Don't, tell, don't give me these 75 channels to choose from and tell me I've got to play this exorbitant uh, fee. Because what, here's what's going to happen to you guys. And I, I remember telling them this on, on, on the phone. I said, here's what's going to happen. One day, one day soon, it's going to be made available that I can go and watch the one channel or two channels that I want and maybe pay a small fee to that, that, that company. And I don't need your satellite anymore. We're there right now. Because if I, it, it, most of these channels out there, you can go on your computer, your phone, and you can subscribe to their channel, and it'll, it'll charge you so much a month. But you, know, you might pay $9.95 a month or, or 15 or 20 bucks. That's a lot cheaper than $150 a month for other channels you're not even going to watch. And if you did watch them, you find up something that would just mess up your head. See, as a believer, you've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your thought life. You can't just meditate and think on every little thing that you see on television and start rationalizing it and starting to, to, to try to filter it out and decide whether it's good or bad. That's called being led by the flesh. And in Romans chapter 8, it says those that are led by the flesh do what? They die. They'll perish. But those that are led by the Spirit of God life everlasting. So your, your mind has to be renewed. Go here to one last scripture, Isaiah 26. Because having your mind renewed is going to bring the peace of God in your life. You know, you, you remember the story about Joshua? In, in Joshua 1, you know, th they had to go through this entire 40, 45 years for these people, a lot of these people to die off that didn't believe God. But not only that, this next generation, their minds had to be renewed to the Word of God. And God spoke to Joshua, and he said, Moses is dead. Now, my word, you'll meditate day and night. My law, will, you'll meditate day and night. 
And as you, as you meditate on that word, your way will be made prosperous. So what he was telling, he was telling Caleb, Caleb uh, and Joshua, you're going to have to go teach these people and get their minds renewed. You're going to have to meditate on my word. That doesn't mean they have to repeat scripture over and over again. They've they got to get a revelation from God how, how, how to operate and, and how to move things. God's ways, so they live by them. So their faith is built up that they're trusting God. They're not trusting their eyesights because that's what happened with the previous generation. So Joshua did that. And the Israelites went in and took the land. But we see here in Isaiah chapter 26, you there? And... Uh, Look at verse 3 here. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Look at what God says here. He said, I will keep those in perfect peace. And really that word perfect, it means mature. Mature peace. All right? It, it doesn't mean that you won't flutter or anything like that. What it, what it really speaks of is when a storm comes up on you, you'll know exactly how to handle it. You'll have an answer for it. You'll answer it. You won't just sit there and say, well, God's in control. That type of thinking, you, your boat's going to get flipped over and you're going to drown. Well, it must have been God's will for me to drown. No. That, see, that's messed up thinking. But it says God will keep him in perfect peace or mature peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because if, if, a, if the mind is renewed, when a situation comes up, you've got the answer. You've got the answer. You've got the right answer. Amen? You've got the right answer. And the right answer is the, is the one that you need. You, don't need. you don't need what's close to the right answer. You need the right answer. Because if, if you have the answer that's close, that's not going to be good enough. You, you have to have the right answer for that situation. Does that make any sense? Because if, if you don't have the right answer, all right, you're not going to be peace. You're going you're gonna to be concerned because you're going to, well, I, 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 I hope that that word will work. No, no, there's, there's got to be a boldness about you. You've got to know. You've got to know that the word works. And the only way you're going to know is you know the word. You, because you've, you've made a practice of having your mind renewed to the word of God that you would prove his good and acceptable will of God. You'd know it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did y'all get something today? Praise be to God. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God wants you to have